Welcome to the Naked Marketers, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here with Megan Strand. Hey there. And Dane Christensen. Hello. And look, we have we have another we have a special guest, Amanda Bloom. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Amanda Bloom for from Howling Zoe Productions. Is that where? Is that what you want me to to say you're from today? Yes, that's where just you're go from. With that. You're, uh, it rolls off the tongue. It, <laughs> apparently, it doesn't. I'm having all sorts of trouble. <laughs> Howling. Blah, 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 blah. What? Uh, Amanda, tell us. Uh, give us the uh, the the uh, the lowdown. The lowdown on the, the great Amanda Bloom, the LD on the QT. I don't know about her, but I'd be more than happy to tell you about me. Um, so uh, I work out of Cape Cod and Phoenix, which is a odd thing. And uh, I've been doing this for about 15 years. And um, the way that I explain it to my parents is I help people communicate better with their clients. And so it is, I guess you would call it integrated tech marketing, um, but it involves in-house processes, out-of-house processes. I basically move into a company and... Um, take over like a whirlwind and help them learn how to talk and, and communicate and measure and get it done better. You're sort of a therapist. Actually, I have a number of clients who feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just got to tell you, I don't get paid enough. So, right. Is, is, so is, is Cape Cod really as much like uh, Mystic Pizza as I want to believe it is? It is, it is yet even wackier. There ain't <laughs> nothing that can happen on this island that shocks me anymore. I mean, it is... <laughs> It is like every day is a new lesson in hilarity. Um, so, in fact, even this morning, um, I read that the Cape Cod Times, purveyor of, of breaking news, um, has decided to put up a paywall on their on their website. Oh, you are and, kidding. Wow. You are and I kidding. Figured, I was like, well, New York Times couldn't do it, and LA Times and the Boston Globe, but clearly Cape Cod Times feels that they have a cornered market here. So, oh, um, my gosh. You know, wow. Right. right. And, and, you know, That's I... Awesome. It is, and you know they they're they're known amongst the technological elite of Cape Cod, which is me and three friends. As I mean, being hysterical for tweeting "quote unquote" breaking news, which is like three days old. You know, Michael Jackson died. Yes, we're aware that they announced Friday. You know, so well. I mean, by that by that logic, I mean, I really, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm I should put a paywall on my blog. Let's just say I, that yeah, at Fifth and Main, it. it's gonna be it's gonna be subscription hey. service. It's going to be frankly, you may it's, you may have more followers than that's the right. Time, so I'm saying, I mean, it's a bigger well to draw from. So, uh, so yeah. So it's it's been very. I think moving to Cape Cod has made me truly understand how technologically advanced and aware Phoenix is um, in terms of community. Um, because you know, Cape Cod's anywhere from two to eight years behind, depending on how far out on the island you are, and they love it that way. So you know, it's it's been you know. I've, I have a client up here who, as she says, I, you know, drag her kicking and screaming into the new age. I'm like, dude, it's just a cell phone. We're really not. This is not new age. This is 1986. So keep it moving. That's keep it fantastic. moving. Well, uh, we are very uh, glad to have you from wherever you hail uh, today, uh, from Cape Cod or parts uh, closer. We are glad to have you on the show. Uh, you're, uh, part of what we want to talk about today, at least to kick off, is, is – uh, continues a just kind of an ongoing discussion we have about WordPress and the power of WordPress. You are very involved in the WordPress community. What are you up to with WordPress lately and and how can uh, how can we help our listeners get more involved in uh, in WordPress? Well, I think first of all, helping people to understand what WordPress is um is is sort of the first step and you know, moving away from the concept that this is a blog um what this is is a is is a free website machine, and once you sort of understand that, I mean that it's your entire website. It's a content management system. Um, it's it, it, I think we've entered an entirely new age of the internet, which is what makes it so exciting. That you know, unlike previously, where you were basically beholden to a you know quote unquote webmaster, and in order to get him to do anything to your site, you had to pay him a ransom and pull him away from his bong and skateboard. <laughs> It's it's now you have the ability to have complete control over your website without knowing anything about HTML. If you can use Microsoft Word, you can use WordPress. And when we talk about content management systems, since there's so many of them, you know, I'm one of those few people that's willing to name names. You know, there, there's a select number of them. There's Joomla, there's Drupal, there's WordPress, and then you get into paid models like an expression engine. And of the free models that are out there, 
you know, what I'm looking for is a good balance between um, ease of programming for a developer, because then it's inexpensive if you do need help with a theme or plugins or anything like that, and ease of use for the end user. So, you know, the actual person running the site. And if you strike a really good balance, that's a good CMS. So if you look at Drupal, which is awesome from the development end, it's like nightmarish, you know. The, 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 people, the password actually includes a line that says, now light your hair on fire. Right. It's like the people, yeah. whatever they were smoking when they designed Google Analytics, clearly they shared it with the people designing Drupal. Right. So you have that. And then you have Joomla, which, you know, I know people who use it love, but it's like nothing works together. I mean, it just doesn't work. So when you talk to developers, they're like, well, I used to use Joomla, but then I decided to quit drugs and drinking, and now I'm with WordPress. Right. So, you know, so you have that. And then when you think about having a free website machine, what it does is it allows freelancers, startups, mom and pops, the word I hate, mompreneurs, all of those sorts of people to compete with enterprise level businesses because now you can leverage the same technology. Time uses WordPress. Entertainment Weekly uses WordPress. But, you know, Bob's Fishing Store uses WordPress. And they have access to the same things. This isn't like, you know, like, uh, you know, one of these content management systems where um, uh, Magento, where like, yeah, you can have a free version, but it's crap. You have to pay 10,000 bucks a year to get the one that actually works, you know, or, you know, so it's, it's incredibly powerful. And then when you add to that, the community that surrounds WordPress, it becomes this incredible thing. So what I'm really interested in doing is um, experimenting with teaching free classes. So what's great about WordPress is you have a WordPress community in every town and almost every town now has a WordCamp. But now I want these WordPress meetups to start teaching WordPress because you have all these people who would love to learn WordPress and they go to the meetups thinking, oh, maybe I'll learn how to use WordPress while I'm there. And it's really more of a social thing and and learning more intermediate to advanced techniques. So in Boston and Providence, um, a couple months ago, we actually staged free classes and the response was, I mean, overwhelming to say the least. Everything was donated from the teacher's time to the venues to lunch Um, and I mean, we sold out the tickets in, I think it was something like two and a half hours. We taught 75 people. We taught, I think seven, we taught 75 people in Providence and we taught some, almost a hundred people in Boston, I think. And it was a full day class. And I mean, those are people who can go forth and, you know, teach others and, you know, spread the good word of the gospel of WordPress. So. Okay, um, so what are you what when you're when you are teaching the good word of the gospel of WordPress? I mean, what is the what is the key message to the um, you know to that audience? Um, is it you know is it more we want you, you need to be your own developer or you need to grease the skids to allow you to get to the more important work of your business? I think it's interesting. You know, I, I say it's a free website website machine, and then you know the reality it really isn't. You're still paying for hosting, and you know now there are these great hosts like Pagely, where like you basically pay a fee and they they do it all for you. You know, it's just WordPress, it's just email. You don't have to deal with like na- you know name servers and all this other st- sort of stuff. Um, you know, there is sometimes an inherent cost to it. There, there are themes out there, but you could pay a theme developer or whatever. But the point is you could get in for almost nothing. You could get in on WordPress.com for free with the 2010 default theme and still have a professional-looking, cohesive, awesome website. Um, I, I think the message is that, you know, you need to own your website because it's not 1999 anymore where you throw up a website and go, it's done and wait for it to work for you. Now it's about engaging with people. And so your website needs to be consistently given new content or at least consistently monitored. And, you know, the fact that WordPress is this content management system allows you to a have access to do that content addition And the mere function of WordPress also being a blogging tool allows you to easily add that content. Um, You know, so whether or not you're allowing people to comment or or not, you're still able to very easily add consistent content. 
Okay, so and, WordPress and, is... Go ahead, Dane. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask really quickly a, um, a practical question. Speaking of themes, do you have any favorites? I hope I'm not pulling us too far off track with that question, but... Actually, you're uh, not. I mean, I think what is so fascinating is that is that um, I've really been trying to do a very good job of due diligence of looking at all the, the themes that are out there. And um, I think it truly depends on where you are as a user and also what your needs are. I mean, to say that I've, I... I I mean, because I develop, I do find that I am using the Genesis framework quite a bit. Um, you know, and that's a framework, that, so you build child themes off of it. That, that's, um, Brian, that's, uh, Brian Gardner's, that's Brian Gardner. That's Brian Gardner, that's Studio yeah. Press. But, I mean, you know, if I'm being honest, I think Genesis is best suited for people who know how to develop. So um, if, you, if you're, and I, and I think that there's every argument in the world for doing, you know, frameworks and child themes if you're at that level. Um, so, you know, there's Headway, which is fascinating because you upload a header and it says, great, here are the colors you should use on your site. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I think that there's one by iThemes, which is a company doing just such user-friendly stuff. And they have a, a theme called Builder, which is sort of like idiot-proof DIY. Here's what I want it to look like, and I build you a theme, basically. Um, and I'm a huge fan of a lot of their products, like the Backup Buddy, which like mm-hmm. backs up your site and then moves it. Like If you move a host, usually that is such a nightmare for the average user to move their WordPress installation. Right. Because it's tied to a database and Backup Buddy just does it. I mean, like idiot proof. Um, I think that there are, I met some amazing theme guys at WordCamp Portland, actually, uh, organic themes out of Hawaii. And they're building these beautiful, beautiful vertical specific themes. So like a restaurant theme and stuff like that. But I think they're really cleanly designed and beautiful. Um, You know, and I mean, I got to be honest, I think 2010 is a fantastically designed theme and Matt over at automatic did a really, really great job with it. I mean, I, I think it, it could fit almost anything. Well, and, and it's it, in terms of 2010, from a developer perspective, it is the ultimate template for WordPress because everything is built in as a starting point. It really is. Uh, it, it's a great place to start developing really custom themes. Well, let me it, ask you this then. I mean, this is, we were talking about uh, WordPress being such a phenomenal website, creator and CMS, if somebody, one of our listeners is is listening and wants to get more knowledge about how to build a WordPress site, you know, and these free classes don't exist in their area yet, what's the best way for somebody to, to jump in and to get that education that they need to bring them up to just, you know, kind of a basic level about making WordPress Um, work for them? I think that WordPress.tv has an amazing number of videos. We actually were smart enough that we videotaped all the classes that we ran in Boston, and those will appear on WordPress.tv relatively soon. That's great. Um, so you, what, what I generally suggest is this. The first thing anyone should do is go to the Google and Google WordPress meetup, comma, your city, and see if there's a meetup. And if there's a meetup, even if you're not going to learn WordPress there, you're going to connect with other WordPress people and resources. Um, and then second, you know, I would, there's an extensive amount of documentation on WordPress.org. Um, I mean, if you just, I mean, it, it, you can't swing a cat on the internet without hitting a WordPress how-to. So, I mean, if you just do your due diligence in Google, you're, you're going to be overwhelmed with the amount of information. And then as you need to drill down into specific things, WordPress.tv is is a really great resource because, I mean, there really is an immense amount of attention being paid to videotaping the sessions that happen at WordCamp so that they're available to everyone. And I actually just found out last week that they're going to very quickly uh, in the next coming weeks, they're going to be able to start transcribing them so that, uh, you know, if you're impaired, you'll be able to access them visually, which is, I mean, amazing. Oh, that's terrific. Uh, well, okay. So before we get uh, before we get too far afield and start talking about the news of the week and zombies, because you know <laughs> zombies. Sure. Peter, Peter needs to talk about. Uh, what, tell us about the word camps uh, that are coming up that you're involved with, and give us the plugs of uh, of where the people plugs. can go. Yeah, give us so the plugs. Uh, right. So uh, I throw a mean word camp. That that's, that's I throw a mean word camp. I throw a mean word camp. Um, and I'm involved in word camp Phoenix, which is going to be January 29th in lovely Phoenix, Arizona. And I mean, like it's at a golf resort. I mean, in Phoenix in January. Hello. Yeah, so, you word camp uh, people gotten fancy. Right. I mean, seriously, we're, 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 you know, we're, we're down and dirty about it. But it's actually what's amazing about it is 
it's a five day camp, which is incredibly unusual. I mean, you don't wow. have to show up for all five days. You can just show up for the, the conference on Saturday, but we've really tried exceptionally hard to make it about the community and teaching these free full day classes. And there's going to be a debate on the GPL and, um, you know, we're doing a design and developer speed meeting and, and, you know, then there'll be beer. So, uh, it'll be great. And, um, so I really encourage people to check that out. That's at phxwordcamp.com. Um, register anytime. We're looking for speakers. It's pretty awesome. Um, and then I'm also involved in WordCamp Boston, um, which will be in April. We did move it this year, so it's in a far nicer time of year. Last year we did it in the dead of winter. And um, that will also be a multi-day event um, in early April. And uh, we usually have it in the Cambridge area. And, I mean, you know, we just – hear about Boston all the time, having been just like the word camp to end all word camps last year. And we love throwing crazy stunts and, you know, really giving people a serious feel of the city. You know, we handed out clam chowder from legal seafoods last year to everybody. And oh, so, show uh, off. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> We're, the, the trouble with doing something like the best it can possibly be done is how do you top it the next year? Yeah. But, I will let you know that there is a team of nine people very committed to the idea of topping last year. So, um, and that is at wordcampboston.com. So, and I mean, there's a word camp in every town, at least, you know, one every week or so. You can always go to wordcamp.org in order to see upcoming word camps in any given area. Well, it's wonderful, and I will say Portland is uh, is a terrific word camp, and it is it has matured. I think the first Portland word camp Portland they gave us, rocks. well, the That's first one, awesome. you know, I think we had you know white bread and tepid tap water, but a lot of really <laughs> engaged developers, and now we have Whiffy's fried pies. So eat that, Boston. I mean, look. Any technology conference that brings in a keg yeah. and pie. <laughs> During the day, like while the ke- conference is going on. I understand closing <laughs> with the keg, but in Portland, we do it up at 10 o'clock in the morning. It was, it was I mean, I, I sent somebody to go grab me a coffee and he came back with beer. With I beer mean, in a mug. <laughs> There was, I mean, really, there was a question of whether I would be sober enough to give my presentation. <laughs> so, uh, oh, so, right, so that, that's a good camp. That's a good camp. It is so. a great camp. All right. Well, it is, again, great to have you representing the WordPress community. And, and I think, you know, I just, just a closing kind of comment on this. It gets back to, to what, uh, it, you know, if, if we go back to our general theme of startup marketers, it really gets back to doing, finding the tools that enable you to do the business that you want to do. And for the vast majority of people that I know, the website is not the core business and to be able to have the tools that you need to at, at your fingertips. You, I mean, here's an interesting thing. Every time I go into a company, um, you know, it's the website isn't the core of your business, but it is the hub. No, no, of no. I know. But don't, I mean, hear my point. The, 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 uh, the, the the website is a significant tool to the business, but but you are most of the startups that I know are coming to the coming to uh, from a different perspective, and to have the tools to enable them to deliver that message and tell their story as quickly and efficiently as they possibly can uh, in a way that is complete and thorough is is uh, is really critical. And so it's you know for us at least uh, certainly on this show we've 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 had jug after jug of the Kool Aid. Uh, and and just can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, and and you know you mentioned organic themes. I had never even uh, looked at their site. Their themes are stunningly cool. Are uh, they not? I mean, stunning is the appropriate. It word. really and is. Two They're of beautiful. The nicest guys. So I just I, I can't. Wow. Say, and, you know, it always feels good giving you know nice guys money because you know no one wants to give sure. big kids money. But right. So I mean, but they're well worth it. Well, let's. Uh, speaking of really nice guys, let's talk about Sears. Okay, <laughs> that was that, that can was we, right? not seamless. That was seamless. It was just like uh, I'm a professional broadcaster. <laughs> I uh, I want to talk about Sears because it's Halloween almost. Today is what is today? It's the 28th. So Halloween coming up on Sunday. Oh, Halloween Sunday, on a on a holy day. Holy day. I not love that. it. It's just school day is the next day. Uh, it's the worst nightmare. Kids all cracked out on sugar first thing Monday morning. I love it. So <laughs> here's what we have. This is I was looking for really clever Halloween campaigns, and I haven't seen a whole lot. Uh, you know that have just jumped out at me until this morning. I ran across Sears. Uh, uh, Sears. 
landing page for their website. Uh, have you have you seen this? Have you had a chance to look through it, people? Uh, I've seen it. Indeed. Because, you... <laughs> because I said it to you? See what <laughs> I mean? Amanda, have you seen, seen it? it? I need to send it to you, too, if you haven't well, seen it. Well, I'm actually it. on the Sears page right now, and I'm not seeing it, which is what's so interesting, because I you know, I do know that... Uh, uh, here, I will click on... Oh, this is... This must uh, be the I, just, the I just sent you the link, and, and it actually... Uh, it, it's wonderful, because it actually has a, it, it's, has a language translator. You can actually switch to Zombian, and all of the uh, text is... Uh, well, here's a rings page. I think this is really and, and here's the question that I have whenever I see something like this it, it's not how brilliant this is is how hard was it to convince the board of directors right. Right. Totally. This was a I want to be a fly on the yeah. wall of that conversation because you know no, what's it's so interesting great about it? yeah it's interesting that it was Sears I mean I've seen stories uh, uh, here and there over the years about you know, the marketing team at Sears trying their hardest to kind of, you know, jump into the next century and spice it up, spice it up. Yeah. Yeah. Try to well relevant. <laughs> get involved in social media, et cetera. And oh, yeah. And it's Sears. I mean, it's uh, yeah, not not really land of Izod shirts. <laughs> <laughs> well, and land of the zombies. That's what we were talking about when we first looked at this thing is the last time I was at the Sears near me. Um <laughs> It kind of felt a little bit. But like do you think they line. get the? And it idea? wasn't Halloween. I'm sure they get the. Are you think they don't? Well, I, well it's a legitimate I question. I don't think the board that had to be convinced gets the irony. Yeah, right, right. Well, That's did what I'm you saying. see this? Did you see this zombie shopper guide? They have this whole. I like it. I dislike it. I want it. What's the other one? Blue uh, zombie crew. I think it's funny. I think the team that did this did a good job, and I like it. I love the little videos, the little like yeah, minute and a half commercials they put on the site. It's funny, but it's Sears. The it's, uh, I love you know? the zombie now, friend the maker. How how could a small business realistically? I mean, think about the amount of dollars that went into production. You know, for Sears for Halloween, where this is not Christmas, this is Halloween. So the question is, what real world application could a small business take from this? Is what's interesting to me. Well, that is a great question. I turn it back to you as our very special guest. Well, crap. <laughs> How do you like that? Turn about. By the way, this is this is really when we ought to address the 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 appropriate level of language for the naked marketers who are naked. So I got to think that's a little you know fast and loose, but fast and at some loose. point. But at some point, you may want to, like, you know, put a finger onto the, the, the buzzer button. Because, this is you know, uh, Amanda Bloom is our first sailor guest on the show. <laughs> it's always good to be free. <laughs> um, no. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really good question, and it's one you would really have to think about. Because, I mean, Sears benefits from an entire PR engine in addition to just a natural level of foot traffic who are going to see this. You know, so there's foot traffic on the site, so people are going to see it without them having to actually expend PR dollars. But they actually have PR dollars to spend as well, and then there's a whole level of production that happened here. Um, you know, how could small businesses take from this? Um, I, I guess the answer is that if you can DIY and manage your website, then you know what's you know what's to be learned from this is I think that you can take any occasion and turn it into a new way to be relevant that every occasion is a is is something to be talked about that you know it's if if Sears is willing to dare to go this far out because for Sears this is you know way way out then I I cannot see any argument for literally any other company or organization out there not being willing to I mean well, that's probably the best lesson you know, and, I think I would, also. Oh, go ahead, Dane. Oh no, you first, Megan. I was just going to say, I think also, at least there's a very transparent attempt to tie this sort of silly campaign with their products. So it's not. I mean, it, there is a whole lot of ancillary zombie weirdness, like the language translator. But you know, this whole gift guide. It's you know, describe your zombie, hungry, brain preference, chilled, runny, whatever. It's kind of cutesy, but then you click find now and it actually takes you to product suggestions. So, so I, I mean think, I was waiting I for somebody to say something yeah, smarter. Like, but well tie in the product. 
tr- tie in your product, even if, you know, they are doing sort of a splashy, cutesy campaign, but, you know, they are making a, an attempt here to, t- to tie it to their products very, very directly. Well, uh, and I also feel like what, what they do really well here, and I think this is sort of what you're talking about, is commitment level. And a lot of times that's a real problem that I have with clients is like, I have, I'm having that problem as we speak with a client. Okay, this is a theme that we're going with. Here's our marketing campaign for the next two months. It's not just about posters. I mean, like, right. commit. Like, everything has to fit. And you're not retooling everything in your box to fit this. It's, it's it, you know, you're not creating new products to fit with this. You're taking your existing products and making them work within the campaign. But everything has to embody the campaign. you got to go whole hog. Right. Right. At the yep. same time, though, when we're talking about small businesses, I mean, that's one of the things <clears throat> that might seem intimidating about what they've done with this site. It, it It's so thoroughly committed that you think, you know, there really were, obviously, there was a big investment here. This has probably been planned for a while, and, and not every small business can go to, to this length. But uh, I like that they're not taking themselves seriously, and I think that's a lesson that all businesses can learn, that, you know, if you do that right, or if you... Um, you know, I mean, to always take yourself and your message and your products incredibly seriously, sometimes you're going to miss some creative opportunities to take advantage of, say, events or, you know, different themes or, or times of the year or product launches, et cetera. But I think the other thing is, you know, you can just sort of take elements of this. And, you, you know, we were talking last week about how uh, much easier it is today to, to maybe do small scale video production and the little YouTube commercials Sears did. Really, any business could do. They that, are really low. High, they're low. Yeah. They're low rent, and I mean that in the highest level of compliment. Like, sure, they're, there's they're well no, done. They're funny, and anybody could do that. But they use on camera audio. I mean, it's really it's it might as well have been done from a really high quality camera phone. True, well, but isn't that? I mean, that it seems to be a topic of conversation everywhere I go. People want to talk about what is the accepted level. Of, of video production. I mean, I had the conversation earlier today right. with, a, with a super small business, and I had the conversation last week with Chris Elliott of Elliott.org. Um, and I think the whole point is, again, it's, it's more about the content than it is the production, which is awesome because everyone can now shoot from their phone and it allows small businesses to compete. And if you talk about implementation of this sort of program at a small level, I mean, video is, is the perfect way. I mean, over the summer, there was a... a a, and when I say minuscule bar and review in Provincetown, you know, in Cape Cod over the summer that did a cover of, you know, a Lady Gaga song and, and it went viral in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And this is a place that probably doesn't spend more than $500 a year on any sort of marketing whatsoever. So, I mean, that's a brilliant way to embody this campaign. It is a brilliant way. And, and when you look at the, you know, and I, I don't mean to derail Dane's comment here, but when you look at the, at the, you know, the Sears page in general, there's a big Flash app that is, you know, that's the, the zombie friend maker, which probably had, you know, the, the largest level of development cost or the largest amount of development in terms of the percentage of the total development cost for the site. But the rest is graphics probably a whole bunch of stock photography, uh, some makeup for the little videos, uh, but largely, um, you know, skinning a landing page is not a significant thing. I think what you get to is this level of commitment um, that that uh, that you brought up, uh, both of you guys brought up, which is, you know, you can commit uh, at, at a very reasonable level. I, I I just don't want to. I don't want to. Th- you know, I don't want to present this Sears thing as if it's a fifty thousand dollars website redesign. It's not. It's hours, well, not that, days. That all depends. <laughs> well, yeah. They okay. Likely they spent more than it, they I needed think, right, to. I think it took three hours to produce it. I think it took fifty hours to convince someone right. to let them. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. That's right. Okay. Good point. Good point. Um, that's always my favorite part because, like, this is, and it makes me wonder: is this fulfillment of the original idea, or is this what they got beaten into? Like, I mean, was it yet even awesomer when they started? Uh, and- oh, yeah, that's a great question. point. Yeah, probably. Well, so. that's true, and that that you know that's sort of sort of let's call it radical innovation. I don't think that I think that overstates it, but let's call it that. <laughs> um, that's a tough thing, right? Because, yeah, I mean, there's the somebody saying it's a good idea and executing it, but um, certainly a, a company the size of Sears, and that's and honestly, that's where the small business has such a an advantage. Is you know, okay, this is cute, and we can you know maybe debate how much did it cost and how much time was it, and, and can other people replicate it, and you know how committed can somebody be to a, a new theme or something funny like this. 
a small business, you know, the levels of, of uh, tape, I guess, to get to the point from idea to execution, they're so much more nimble. And it's an advantage that uh, hopefully they recognize they have. But do you actually legitimately feel, I mean, nimble is not a word that I would use because although it, they ought to be, I generally find that small businesses are far more wrought with indecision and uncertainty. Like Sears, if Sears decided tomorrow that they were going to do, that they were going to rebrand their site with Comic Sans, they'd get some flack for it. But dude, it's Sears. They'll get away with it. As opposed to a small business that, that I think they very often don't feel they have the liberty to be that renegade and innovative because they still need to, they, they, they're attempting to emulate these big businesses. Well, but, that, but what I mean, I guess, is that theoretically, <laughs> you know, theoretically there's a, a shorter approval process. You're right that there are different hangups that, um, I guess, constrict or restrict small right. businesses, sort of self-imposed <laughs> restrictions, right? Because truly it's not any different. I, I mean, most large corporations, um, you know, unless they have a really strong voice, let's say the CEO, and it's the CEO's idea, done, done tomorrow. Uh, if it's, you know, somebody on the marketing team's idea, that's a whole different thing. And, right. and I think what you're, one of the things you're probably pointing out about small businesses is that strong voice, and let's say it's the, a small business owner, has to wear a lot of hats and maybe is only really confident in a couple of them. And marketing is usually not the hat that they're really comfortable in. And so they second guess themselves and they, you know, wonder, you know, if they ought to be taking any risks and is it really a good idea? And, you know, they hold themselves back. They do. And, and, you know, you're right. The CEO puts all of his ideas through and usually they suck. Right. And, you know, the marketers have a harder time getting it through. But theoretical world is a lovely place to live. I visit occasionally and I, I really can't oh, advise I'm, enough I'm taking time off. Right. Yeah. Theoretical yeah. world. <laughs> I, you know, I think most of uh, the, the bottom line for me is that, um, you know, it, somebody on this team thinks this is fun. And and that rebranding the site around a zombie theme for Halloween is a fun and frivolous thing to do. And when you liberate yourself from having to pose as something you are likely not or likely not very good at doing uh, and have more fun, you get people talking. And and here we are. We've spent the last 15 minutes talking about uh, rebranding the zombie page. And, are, you know, are we going to shop at Sears? No. I don't know. Probably not, <laughs> but but I'm sure going to share it. I'm going to share the experience of Sears because okay, it changes the way wait. I think about it. Now, but but that is a really, I mean, that isn't that the critical point then? So we're getting more eyes on the page, but will it translate to sales? And well, I mean, but but that's the point, the though. Not me, but I'm going to share it, and somebody I share it with will likely stop by Sears. Well, but but here's the here's the positive I think so far. If we're trying to take it down to okay, how did it impact us? You know, those of us in this conversation. I was by watching these videos as much as you know it may or may not inspire me to go to Sears anytime soon. Kind of reminded of that it exists and reminded of what they what they carry because I can't always remember. I think they carry kind of everything, right? <laughs> I mean, really, I don't know, but you know, they they showed off. They used the videos to sort of show off some departments essentially, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think. If you're price checking or price shopping, for instance, well, gosh, I really never consider Sears if I'm, you know, looking at some of the, I'm mostly what, Home Depot and I don't know, didn't know, never thought Sears had a fitness department, for instance. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been there. And there were some funny fitness videos. Don't plan on buying any fitness equipment soon, but if I did, I'd probably sort of at least check their price and their, and their products because I saw this, this uh, website. That's a really good point. It's a reminder. I, you know, for those of us who didn't really think about that Sears was still around. Right. <laughs> okay, maybe Dude, I'm taking it a little bit it. far. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about right, let's something, talk about something that it's, it's impossible to not know they're around at this time of year. What is that? Politicians. Shall we do that? <laughs> Speaking of zombies. Exactly. That was a segue. Well, that, was a good, that was a good one, Dane. Peter? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, this was your story. Tell us about oh, what's no, going wasn't. on. Okay. Are well, you talking I about Politex or, or Michelle well, Bachman? I was yeah, let's do Michelle Bachman. Bachman mobile ad. Okay. So I'm going to keep all of political opinions out of this discussion and just look at this strictly from a marketing perspective. Okay. So that's a caveat. 
Um, so Michelle Bachman, apparently, this might have been a, an earlier campaign, but I thought it was interesting. We're seeing a lot of these political candidates get into the social media fray, and we have a couple of stories today about how they're doing that. And this particular campaign um, for Michelle Bachman was using mobile ads. So essentially, um, there was a television commercial that her that sort of berated her opponent for a support on taxes for beer, corn dogs, and deep fried bacon. Okay. So what they did was they took this video and um, sent out, they took it to the Minnesota state fair and they sent out a mobile ad targeted at phones within a 10 kilometer radius of the fairgrounds. So they had this little ping that went out. If you were anywhere near the Minnesota state fair about this tax on corn dogs and deep fried bacon, and it took you to a video. So I, I, thought this was really, really interesting. Um, I haven't seen a politician do something quite so crafty yet. And apparently it, it worked for them. They had 60, 61% of the views from the video came from mobile devices. Um, and the supposition is that that was from the, the fair pinging through the mobile ad. So I thought this was a successful use of very micro-targeted mobile ad campaigns. However, there have been commentary made about other politicians using these mobile ads um, and, and anticipating that they will use it to ping people as they're sort of standing in line waiting to vote, which I personally think would be highly annoying because, you know, that's a little bit of a different take on a, on a similar technology. But Would it be illegal is a better question since you were, yeah. I mean, there's a certain point where you would not actually be allowed to do that in any printed form, in any, right. I mean, you can't wear a t-shirt into the polling place. So right. well, po- yeah. politicians get a lot of passes on things like truth and advertising, <laughs> the ability to telemarket, Seriously. You, you know, they, they generally are an exemption to all of the marketing rules uh, on a, from a legal perspective. Tell us about Facebook, Peter. <laughs> what, 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 a, what about it? Just how happy you are to see all these political ads. Ugh. On Facebook. Well, this is the the Facebook. Uh, what what are they calling it? The Facebook bombing, uh, Facebook bombardments. Uh, it, you know, I, I I don't know a broader comment on on sort of political advertising. And back to the, uh, you know, I don't want to get too far away from the hyper local targeting of of advertising. To Amanda's point, um, you know, is it legal or not? The 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 fact is, a lot of them are well, at least for us in in Oregon as a vote by mail, they're already irrelevant because you know right. many of us have already voted, and Washington. yet the the advertising continues to to come in, and it's coming in in so many different forms. How excited are we that you know politicians have actually discovered how to do this stuff? I'm I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm not thrilled. I was okay with them just coming to my mailbox. They actually hit recycling before it enters the house. Um, you know, it, some of these things are. Um, are are really becoming so vile and and I think the more interesting story out of this is in uh comes into uh the truthy sleuths oh yeah um so the truthy sleuths and Dane you actually had a better uh, comment on the truthy sleuths than uh, I think I did maybe you're better at explaining this than I am but, but what so check me when I start lying um, okay. Truthy Sleuths is a, a Bloomington group at Indiana University uh, crunching data from Twitter to track the spread of memes and started finding uh, or found a number of accounts that, that are um, you know, spreading outright falsehoods. And what they discovered is a, you know, something we, I think those of us in the space has, have, have known about all along, which is you know, the accounts that, are, are, uh, that go online that are multiple accounts owned by the same entity, whether it's one person or a group of people that, um, you know, where one account will post an original message uh, about a certain idea, a certain congressman, a certain, you know, political angle. And uh, uh, the rest of the accounts owned by this entity will retweet them with slightly different hashtags so they don't come up as, uh, as you know, spam accounts initially in Twitter's uh, algorithm, kind of algorithmic followings of, of spam on the network. And so you end up with these accounts that are essentially... Uh, spam bombing um, or Twitter bombing these messages and showing up in in you know search engines completely you know uh, based on the way the rules are set now right s- legitimately question mark yeah uh, it, and what's in- so we're referencing kind of a fast company article here and um, the director it comes out of Indiana University did you already say that Peter I did 
Um, and uh, the the I guess the lead sort of researcher on this uh, was on Talk of the Nation a couple of weeks ago, and and uh, they were doing an experiment during the interview of, you know, forcing a meme through the listeners and trying to um, map it essentially. But what what they try to identify, they look for irregularities in distribution. So they are using a statistical, I think, an array model basically to to um, they're looking for sort of hot topics essentially. Um, I mean, that's kind of where they're starting. Their starting point is, is, you know, what sort of, it, it, it looks odd if something goes from zero to a really high number within a, a day or two, right? And that that's sort of the red flag. Okay, either this is really a hot trend or it's, you know, a celebrity just sent photos of um, himself to a sideline reporter or something like that happened. Or somebody has tried to, out a, you know a piece of news that that may be false or may not be relevant or you know whatever so that's the red flag and then they go in and start to look at the distribution and they again they use these advanced statistical models to say you know obviously pinpoint the origin pinpoint maybe bogus twitter accounts like oh, what were some of the names peace girl and chastity stacy and right. you know that sort of thing um anyway so uh, the, yeah, and try to identify it. And I guess the point is, it's not illegal. The point is that, you know, a politician can, you know, start a rumor about their opponent, have somebody, you know, try to try to basically be distanced from it because it's supposedly a grassroots effort and it's not from their campaign office. It's from, you know, somebody in Des Moines, Iowa. And, uh, you know, it, it catches momentum and nothing has been illegal here, but... Um, I think probably more than anything, the the goal of this little research um, group is to get Twitter to respond, and, because you know it's a whole other thing to get the law you, you know changed or to try to enforce it on some legal level. But to get maybe Twitter involved to say because some of these, and this is one of the points of the article, some of these actually end up showing up for let's say what was the search? It was like GOP leader or something like that. And some of these tweets were showing up as top results, and they were complete false rumors that had caught a ton of, of you know, momentum and, and popularity in a very short period of time. And all of a sudden, they're showing up as search results. Uh, and so they're trying to at least educate the public. But, you know, if you could maybe get Twitter and, and Google to be aware of... Well, yeah, and and Twitter's Twitter's response was, you know, we're we're looking into these accounts, but don't forget, people, you can always, you know, mark a a, a suspected spammer as a suspected spammer right from Twitter. I don't think, I, I mean, that's sort of the the boilerplate response, but I think the the bigger issue is, you know, when a piece of spam mail comes to my mailbox, I look at it and it is marked as. Uh, mail that is subsidized by a particular party or particular action campaign, right? What is so frustrating about using social media for this sort of of uh, messaging is that it is largely not labeled as such and l- is liable to confuse uh, the message for people who don't know any better or for those who don't read. Am I am I out of school on that? No. <laughs> No, well, I mean, but Twitter has now started to allow advertising, which will be labeled as advertising. So it's a really good point that you make. I mean, aren't these people just attempting to skirt around the around paying for advertising? And that's, you know, generally punished and, and you know, enforced. So if you're saying that it would change if it was labeled as political advertising or just advertising, maybe that's the ultimate answer. And, Go- and Twitter needs to step in and for no other reason than a revenue stream. You know, um, they don't call it evil genius for nothing. You know, people are going to figure out ways to get around it. But I mean, what's fascinating about the, the truthy sleuth to me is 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 more the technology behind how they're figuring it out, which is something called semantics. Um, you know, in the semantic web, which everyone sort of acknowledges is going to be sort of Web three point right. is now we've connected in 800 ways, and now we're going to filter it. So to me, we know that we have the technology to create these filters to semantically figure out when bad stuff is going down. They can use it to find faulty mortgages. I mean, they can use it to find all kinds of information. These guys have used it to figure out how people are manipulating Twitter. My, the end goal is is for Twitter to eventually, you know, monetize somehow. They should be utilizing these tools for, you know, 
for not only, you know, people trying to avoid paying advertising fees and protecting us from that sort of bad influence, but I mean, for a variety of other things, you know, so, I mean, yes, we generally can tell that if, um, if a, if a ranking jumps dramatically very quickly, that, 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 I mean, it's using logical, you know, reasoning and now we apply, you know, computerized filters to it. So, so it becomes an interesting question, right? I mean, the the nature of building tweet followers and Facebook, you know, likes um, isn't is that sort of uh, how do you guide your clients, for example, Amanda, when talking about you know using these tools in their in their business? Uh, obviously, I, I'm assuming you're not a big proponent of setting up ghost accounts and retweeting yourself. Yeah, uh, I love spam. Oh, are you <laughs> oh, yeah. No, um, here's what's really odd is, you know, so now we have all these people who are social media consultants. I consult on social media. I am by no means a social media consultant. Um, but unlike most social media consultants, I, believe it or not, do not believe that all of my clients should be involved in social media. Um, I think that we've perpetuated this idea for a wee bit about how it's free and people have time on their hand. It's it's not free, but I think there's a bigger question, which is um, pe- businesses have gotten this idea that everybody needs to be on Facebook. I need a Facebook page. I need to be on Twitter. And the problem with that is that I'm routinely approached by businesses who say, you know, are you, you know, are you a fan? And, and the, without giving me any reason why I ought to be. I mean, my favorite example is that when I go to networking events up here, the person who does social media for the local trash company is always, are you a fan of us on Facebook? And I finally looked at her once because she'd asked me four or five times. And I was like, why? Why would I be a fan of the trash company on Facebook? That is such a good point. Okay, so that brings up an even bigger point. Right, so anytime, but but she could have had an answer is the point that I make. And so anytime a company of mine says they want to get into social media, I make them answer these two questions. And it's social media specific to each platform. So let's say Facebook. If you are going to have a Facebook page, what is the benefit to people to like or fan your page? And what is the benefit to you as the company once they do so? And if you have a legitimate answer for both sides of that equation, great, let's get on Facebook. And it's a fluid thing that will change over time anyways. But I feel so often like it's very one, it's not even one-sided sometimes. I mean, there's just no point to it. So, I mean, it ultimately comes down to, why should people give a shit? And I think it's a question that nobody asks very often and that companies, you know, companies are sort of blind to. No one is going to care. Give them a reason to care and they will, you know, and a great example of that is hotels. Some hotels like Kimpton have been just awesome in giving people a reason to not only like a page, but not unlike it five minutes later. They give a code once a, once a month that you can present when you check in. You know, you give the secret word when you check in and you get a whole like range of surprise benefits. But it gives you a reason to keep coming back. And meanwhile, they're giving you legitimate information about their hotels and stuff like that. Um, the benefit to them is that they have a, a tracking system basically built in um, you know, of, of how effective their social media is being and who's following through, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I was, I was getting fired up because of course, you know, I me. too, no. no, I too am not a fan <laughs> of my trash company on Facebook. I'm a big fan of how they take away my trash, <laughs> but that's about the extent of it. So I got this, I got a, I got a, an email from, uh, from my insurance agent who is a nice guy, and I'm a huge fan of how he insures me. <laughs> but the, the entire email you was... You don't want to be his friend? No, I, you know, and, and <laughs> not, not really. But, but the, the, I, you know, I got a letter, I got an email from him saying, you know, hey, as I'm, an, uh, I'm, I'm your, you know, insurance agent. Yeah, I got that. Okay, and no, did, no. did you know, this is the, this is the email now uh, that, that is, is coming. This is, this is the standard text. Did you know we're on Facebook? Right. Right? That's the subject line. And that I, is so, that is so. Okay, now here's the point that I want to make, though. So he's your insurance agent. He's a nice guy. 
and you like how he insures you. Now, if he was better at his job, instead of saying, hey, we're on Facebook, be a fan, he would have gone onto Twitter looking for you. He would have used Twitter, not Facebook probably, right? And made sure he was following you. So without saying anything, do anything, whatever. And maybe when you saw he was following you, you would follow him back, maybe not. But the next time you say something like, um, you know, can't believe traffic sucks this bad. Uh, he might Twitter at you and say, now, now, you know, <laughs> remember your coverage doesn't extend to texting while driving. Or, <laughs> you know, or you might say, just burn myself on a pot on the stove. He might say something intelligent like, you know, believe it or not, your medical insurance would cover that. Something like that. Right. That would be engagement. And that would be an appropriate way for him to interact with you. And then you would go, Holy crap, that was smart of him. And yeah, I'll follow him back. I want to see what the hell this guy is up to. There you Something go. Something like that. that- but, and, and the same thing on Facebook. I mean, I, am I a fan of my trash company? No, but I could be. And the point is they're not executing it well. You know, yeah. they could be doing things like, you know, oh, okay, if you're a Facebook fan, you know, they could say, you know, every once a week, we're going to surprise one of our Facebook fans by not only taking their trash away, but leaving something good for you curbside. And that would be intelligent, right? And so if I, you don't I, fan I, them, they're going to leave somebody else's trash <laughs> with, right. at your house. And if you don't, <laughs> nice. you're going to leave something. That's right. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be? And then you go, well, I want to know what the hell they're going to leave me. And you would go, okay, I'm willing to do it for that. And you might stick in it for that reason. And they would do something inane every week. And that person would follow up by posting what they had done. And I mean, that would be a great campaign that somebody should now write me a check for. But Well, uh, no, I, you have a great point. And that is that, that there is a value exchange here, right? There's a relationship we're building. And if you just ask me to be your fan and don't and and don't invite me into what, what the benefit is, I'm already getting the benefit. I pay you to take my trash. I give you money for insurance. That's that's the value proposition, and it's already being met. So asking me to do more for you without giving me anything in exchange is just helping me sell your products or right. help, you know, I'm not interested in that. Right. Well, right. I mean, it's it, and I think it's interesting that I think the days of, of I'll put your name into a hat are also over. I think it has to be a one-to-one benefit anymore, not the chance of a benefit. Right. Um, you know, and, and so I talk about that a lot with clients. But, you know, I mean, I think the reality is that, I mean, if you are not willing to dedicate the time to monitor these networks, then no one, I don't want you even going near it. I would far rather you weren't on Twitter than you pretended to be on Twitter. You know, well, I checked the Twitter page three or four times a day. That's not Twitter. That's that's just not what it's about. Right. Um, I think the most interesting new part of Twitter, not new part, but the new aspect of, of Twittering for clients, we'll say, to me is convincing. It's, it's the role of what I like to call the proprietor. I think that there is a, a rise in America right now. We talk about small businesses, but of the proprietor role. And what I mean by that is that you go into a, there's a restaurant that you love and you don't even love it because the food is really great. Although I would imagine it is. You love it because the manager is always there. You can always get a hold of him. He comes around to every single table and he talks to you and maybe you can get a hold of him later on Twitter or whatever. But you know, if you sent a client there or a friend there, they're going to get treated like gold. You know, if there's ever a problem, it's like not even a question. He's going to take care of it. And that's true at, at the, the small hardware store down the street as opposed to true value. It's true, you know, so I think that there's, you know, it's not that there's a 16-year-old twit at the front, you know, concierge desk who won't do anything for you. There's ownership behind it. And when you have that proprietor at a business, you want to, to convince him that he needs to be the person twittering for the business, that it needs to have a transparent personality, that you're not twittering, you know, in a in a very generic professional way that you're making it clear this is the person behind the account it's me i have ultimate responsibility for the business i can actually do things for you on twitter and that's a big thing that i'm dealing with now convincing business owners not to have their account and the business's account to be the person on the business account and own that and have a personality behind it yeah, I that's the that's the the voice of the brand. Who's the voice of the brand? And if you're going to say you're taking ownership of the brand, you got to be the voice of the brand. Well, and you know, the voice of the brand is a real dangerous statement to me only because you get into this issue, you get into a Scott Monty issue. Yeah. You know, and and I feel strongly it needs 
if it's at all possible, and in small business, why wouldn't it be? It should be the owner. I mean, I really feel like it, that's the person who it is because that person isn't isn't taken off, you know. So, but it's the proprietor. I guess that I guess that's the issue. It's the manager, the owner, something like that. The person who owns responsibility. Well, you know, we uh, awesome point to. Uh, I can't believe we we have like fifteen other stories we were going to talk about, but we have run out of time. And uh, you know, we usually wrap uh, wrap the show with a, a recommended tool for our users, a tool, a tip, a technique, something that they can use to walk away uh, and, and, and implement in their business right away. Um, now, we've already talked about WordPress. We've talked about themes. I feel like we've given a lot of tools away, but do you have anything that you use uh, in your business to help uh, to help manage your clients and help your clients manage their messaging that you recommend highly? It's mostly just to help me manage my clients, but I'm a big fan of Angry Birds. I can't recommend <laughs> Angry Birds enough. I mean, really? I, on a daily basis, I find that of all the things that I have at my disposal to really help me manage the various demands upon my professional life, I really think it comes down to Angry Birds. Angry Birds <laughs> allows me to somewhat seamlessly handle every aggravating phone conversation. It, it's something to do putting off the email that I loathe writing. And in that time, I may calm down a little bit and think more logically when I write it. It it, it uh, replaces the cigarette break in your life. And um, <laughs> well, then I have to ask Amanda about your... It gives you a sense of accomplishment. And I think on a daily basis, these are really the important things. Well, you know, if that's the case, I really feel like I need to ask you kind of the next to delve a little bit deeper into your use of the tool. For example, do you, uh, do you ever find yourself uh, naming the pigs before you take on a level. I don't, but you want to hear something fascinating to me. Is um, So I'm an Android user, and I did not have access to Angry Birds until very, very recently. And so uh, I had co-opted my mom's iPhone to put Angry Birds on it, and <laughs> um, I showed it to her thinking, oh, what a neat thing. We can share this moment of like technological excellence, whatever. And she got <laughs> completely pissed off about the game. She was like, I don't understand why we're throwing birds at pigs and how horrible that is i was like you do get that they're cartoon pigs right they're cartoon <laughs> pigs well why can't you throw circles at squares and it just illustrated the technology gap to me so i just thought it was hysterical and well, now they stole the eggs right well so there's a I, reason I, I really did try to explain the underlying concept <laughs> while focusing on the part of the cartoon right you know i can hear it he's got it music. on that's me <laughs> it's it's all me because I like to see what sort of a Pavlovian response we engage when we all. No, it, it, is, it is calming. Licensing fee for the music, right? Uh, but I didn't. But but I I had commentary over the top of it, which which oh, changed oh, the use. Oh, excellent, yeah. excellent, very smart. Yes, very smart. Uh, the uh, you know I I absolutely adore Angry Birds as a I'm almost a hundred percent three star player uh, and have been playing for way too see, long. See, that's the real dedication. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to just get through; it's another to be dedicated and to go back and really pursue that level of. That level of excellence. That's right. I, I will tell you, though, uh, that Cut the Rope is uh, e equally engaging. I and I've become quite a friend of the little monster. Uh, I call him Ike. And I want him to have his candy. And it's important now, that he has that candy. Here's the thing I want to say. I, I, I'd like to take a moment to make a PSA, if you would be so Please. kind as to allow me so. Uh, okay. Um, I am an Android user. I will never be an iPhone user. And I think that there needs to be equality for all. And if you are developing an app for the iPhone, you are ignoring the large portion of the open source community who would very much like to also cut the rope on their Android. <laughs> oh, um, sure, it's coming soon. Oh, and and, and I, I mean, the, the problem I would, I mean, I would, I play words with friends for blood. It is a blood sport in my house, but I can't because I'm not on iPhone. <laughs> So it data scrabble on Facebook for me, you know. So <laughs> I would, I, 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 I would like to see. I would like to engage with people, you know, on my, on my. I think there's an argument: equality for all. Android to iPhone relations. If we can bump with iPhone users, then we should be able to play <laughs> with friends as well. Uh, that is, uh, I have never heard words. So that is practically the, uh, the, the. It is. It's practically the mobile phone bill of rights. <laughs> I, <laughs> If we can bump with iPhones, uh, I think 
I, I think you've said it. You may have, in fact, said it all. Uh, let's go ahead and, and wrap it up a little bit. Uh, Amanda Bloom, where would you like people to find you should they choose to learn more about your uh, treatise Frankly, on I'm phone really relations? Busy. Just leave me alone for a few yeah. minutes. Um, <laughs> could we talk again after the holidays? No. Um, you can find me at uh, howlingzoe.com, which is H-O-W-L-I-N-G-Z-O-E.com. And on yeah. Thursday nights down at Mystic Pizza on the cake. <laughs> you know, I don't actually know if there's still a, a Mystic Pizza actual. I know at some point it was an actual restaurant, but um, I do know that you can enjoy their fine products in the freezer section of your local grocery. <laughs> oh, sad commentary. I've been to Mystic Pizza. Have you? I have. I've been to Mystic, Connecticut. How, oh, how, how are you oh, feeling? More right. than once. Yeah. Well, Dane, uh, speaking of sad commentaries, how's your Twitter account? Oh, yeah, that was. Why do you do that? That's oh like a, man, I said all that clipping, out loud. Because oh. you get upset block. about it every time. Dave, where would you where would you like people to find you? Just try timmy.com. Why not? Do you need to talk about your Twitter account? I mean, we, we should. You know. Speaking, of, yeah, we have a bona fide therapist. Therapy, how do you fe- how do you feel? I mean, you know, how do you feel about your Twitter account? Um, look and see. I left space there because I wanted it to be more than Let's rhetorical. Just- Let's just keep moving along. <laughs> I feel like it's neglected and it's sad and it needs some nourishing and some care. It needs deep fried bacon is what it needs. Oh. <laughs> uh, so Strike 10 Media for Dane. Megan, where, where should people find you? I'm on Twitter at Megan Strand and my website is encouraged.com, which is I-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D. Fabulous, encouraged.com. And you had a story, you had a post on bras that really had some horrifying bras on pictures on it. Oh, that was such a great, fabulous, it's a great story um, and everybody should read it. So, and it is not horrific. It's art, Peter. Yeah. I'm uh, Pete Wright on Twitter, and uh, at fifthandmain.com is the website, and uh, uh, you should go there, too. Uh, but mostly, if you want to find out more about this very show, you should head to thenakedmarketers.com. Follow us on Twitter at uh, uh, Naked Markets. Uh, you can find us on—oh, no, that's not it. What is it on Twitter? Megan, you do the Twitter thing. What is it? Are we Naked Marketers on Twitter? I think we're Naked Marketers on Twitter. Naked with no vowels on facebook no, it's make it's naked markets it is really with no vowels oh come on on facebook that was all that was because that, no, you know facebook, facebook won't let us have the word naked. naked yeah it's pornographic amanda please there are children frankly that's the only reason i liked you guys yeah, <laughs> yeah. well and, so and wait, wait, also- just to be clear you're not all actually naked right now is it just me <laughs> no, no, we're naked. Facebook won't allow naked. Oh, that's the important dif- uh, uh, differentiator. That's what I meant. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's it. And this has been a uh, a fantastic time. Thank you all for your time. I'm Pete. On behalf of Megan, Dane, and Amanda, uh, we'll catch you next week on another episode of Naked Marketers. Mm-hmm.